Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Trial on the trail, Donald Trump lashes out after a third indictment. Those indictments aren't worth the paper they're written on. How will he defend himself? And will he go to trial before the election? Trump's attorney, John Lauro, joins me in moments. And Too Honest, a central figure in the new case, the former vice president ramps up his criticism of his old boss. The president ultimately continued to demand that I choose him over the Constitution. What does he make of the case? GOP presidential candidate Mike Pence is next. Plus, on message. With just over two weeks until the GOP debate, other candidates struggle to break through. Mr. President. Is there a new opportunity to edge out the frontrunner? GOP presidential candidate Chris Christie joins me ahead. Hello, I'm Dana Bash in Washington, where the State of Our Union is watching court filings pile up. Donald Trump is kicking off a new week, juggling an ever more crowded legal calendar after his third indictment over alleged attempts to overturn the 2020 election. As usual, the former president is lashing out at the legal system and those he perceives to be his enemies. Last night, he called special counsel Jack Smith, quote, mentally ill and, quote, deranged. And a Trump campaign advisor told CNN the president has no plans to change his rhetoric. Even as in federal court this weekend, Trump's attorneys worked to respond to a filing by the Justice Department, which took issue with a new threatening social media post by Trump. Here with me now is Trump attorney John Lauro. Thank you so much for joining me this morning, Mr. Lauro. This weekend, the judge rejected your request for three more days to consider the special counsel's proposed rules for how to handle evidence. The proposed protective order that would let Trump use some sensitive information but not take that information with him. Will you agree to that? Well, first of all, this protective order that's being suggested by the Biden administration is an effort to keep from the press important non-sensitive information that the Biden administration has that may speak to this isn't by the Biden administration. This is by the special independent counsel. And and no, no, here for this reason, no. The independent counsel, it's not independent, it's special counsel, has to get the approval of Merrick Garland in order to go forward. Joe Biden said in November 2022 that he wanted to see President Trump prosecuted and taken out of this okay, race. There's so it no, is the Biden I'm just going to stop you Make because no there's no evidence but the that bottom line is, Joe no, no, Biden I'm, is involved in this. And I, you're no, right, it's a special counsel. Let's just well, stick to the, the question. Do you believe that yeah, this is so something the point that you'll is, agree to? The point, is that, the point is that we will not agree to keeping information that's, non, that's not sensitive from the press. The press and the American people 
in a campaign season have a right to know what the evidence is in this case, provided that this evidence is not protected otherwise. So we're going to oppose it, as we have. But for whatever reason, these lawyers on the prosecution team want to keep that from the press. Well, won't and, the evidence come I'm out in trial anyway? That the press... It, some of it will, not all of it. I'm shocked that the press isn't lined up objecting to this protective order because not only is President Trump being attacked for his First Amendment rights, now these prosecutors are trying to okay, infringe on the freedom of the press. Okay, let's stick to... I so appreciate you trying to you stick up what's for happening. us. I'm telling you... I appreciate you I'm, trying to I'm, stick up no, for no, us, no, but I'm, let's I'm, talk I'm, about the, the actual you what's going on substance right now. of what they were trying to do in the filing, which was try to make the point not only that they want to... Uh, keep the discovery information, what the witnesses said, for the time being uh, quiet. But also, he made pretty clear, the special counsel, uh, that the idea that the former president is calling him deranged and mentally ill uh, is something that maybe shouldn't be happening. So let me ask you, as his attorney in this criminal case, do you want your client to stop speaking publicly like this? Using terms this like case that. was brought by this case was brought by the Biden administration in the middle of a political campaign and with the realization that people are out there uh, campaigning for office. I'm not involved in the campaign. I'm involved in representing. Totally understand. Uh, You're Trump not his campaign manager. One, you are his one, lawyer. One, As his lawyer, would you that, want that, a client one, to one say thing things that, like that this about the are, special counsel? One thing that. One thing that we are going to do is fight this very, very uh, unusual, outside of the bounds, criminal prosecution of First Amendment rights vigorously in court. My focus is on addressing the issues. One of the issues that the Biden administration will have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt is that Donald Trump had corrupt intent, had, had criminal intent when he protested the results of the 2020 election. That's core freedom of speech. That's okay, core let's talk about this. Speech, you, you've talked about freedom of speech. Which is protected under our Constitution. You've talked about freedom of speech a lot. I want you to listen to what Donald Trump's own former attorney general said about that argument. I really don't think that's a valid argument. He can say whatever he wants. He can even lie. He can even tell people that... Uh, that uh, the the election was was stolen when he when he knew better. Free speech doesn't give you the right to engage in a fraudulent conspiracy. Your response? Well, first of all, there was no fraudulent conspiracy. That's part of the reality of the defense. What President Trump was entitled to do, and what what Mr. Barr misses, and and I'm not sure he's read all the cases, but when it comes to political speech, you can not only um, advocate for a position, but you can take action. You can petition. You can ask even your vice president uh, to pause the vote for but a period of time in order to allow the state to But you can't break the law, which is what this indictment alleges. What was it? It alleges that what, he what, caused what actions what like approving was fake. What, uh, okay, what well, was it? I'll tell, what the I'll tell you what, what the indictment. I'll tell you what the indictment. I'll tell you what the indictment says. The indictment says it, that he attempted to cause actions like approving fake electors, opening sham fraud investigations, and obstructing the certification of the election. Whether he can prove that, that's going to happen in the okay, trial. Let's, I'm just let's, saying what's in the indictment. Yeah, but let's. 
Right. And let me take the first thing, the, the question about electors, okay? Alter, alternate electors are used in every four-year cycles, okay? The Senate parliamentarian acknowledged to Vice President Pence that they always receive protest alternate electors. None of those electors uh, were, were counted. Vice President Pence was completely aware of the of the nature of the They of weren't the protest, counted because Mike Pence rejected the right this scheme. That's why they weren't Absolutely. counted. Absolutely. And that's how that's how the of course, and that's how the political process works. But there was no defrauding. No, there was no uh, trickery. There was no deceit. Because, because, if, everybody because knew if Mike Pence had said the yes, open. then so that's no, exactly because, what would have happened. No, because... And that's only no, one... Because, but thankfully, I don't, with I don't freedom wanna, of the press, you, I don't have, to, go you down. have to let me finish, though, because, you know... No, but you asked me a question, and I, I hope you can let me finish, because the, the government alleges deceit or trickery, and all of this played out in the open. It's all free speech. There was a Supreme Court decision, Hammerschmidt, which is right on point, that says when you're exercising free speech, you're not engaging in a fraud on okay. the government. I, and we, that's what, unfortunately, most people don't that's understand just one, in, That's in just one context. example now, it's of very the political. actions. That's just right, one example but, but of the actions in this indictment. But you're entitled. And this is a long list that right. we've compiled from the from the indictment. I mean, there are it's more than a dozen right. not speech actions that the former president like allegedly what? took. Like what? I mean, how, where do I even like start? What? Tell the, me. Asking what the Arizona speaker to interfere with ascertaining Arizona's asking, electors. The Justice asking, Department to asking a speech. But any, but any alleged is speech. But any alleged, any alleged, almost all alleged criminal activity has to do with using words and his speech. And that's that's listen. What you don't, you, you, this is obviously the defense that you're going to use, and it will be fascinating to see how it works out in a court of law. I want to move on to another to another issue. No, no, I got to tell you though. But but you make an interesting point because you're saying that asking is action. No, asking is aspirational. Asking is not action. It's core free speech. The press should be defending free speech okay. in this case. Let's talk about something else that you've repeatedly said, speech. and that is that uh, the former president Anything. ultimately asked his vice president only for a pause in the electoral count. Uh, right. But it followed. That was one of the things. Weeks. Ultimately, the final the final ask. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. The final ask in the ellipse speech was that, which the was word, he, President Trump was following the advice of his lawyer. OK, the word ultimately I've heard you use many times. The word ultimately is doing a lot yes. of work in that sentence. I know you're intentionally using the word ultimately because that that it's, point I'm using at that ultimately point, because it's the truth. I know you're right. It is the truth, because at that point he was asking for right. a pause. But it's and only because it's only because on of it's only because for many, many, many other asks before that, what the former president was asking Mike Pence to do was to completely stop, stop it and reject it. And that is the point that Mike Pence well, is making. Let me, it's that the, it got to the point where okay, can, he said pause because Mike Pence says, I'm not going to reject it. Sure. Okay. Okay. So what we have, and, and many people don't understand this, is a, is a memo from John Eastman, an esteemed constitutional scholar, laying out a number of scenarios. Those scenarios were presented to Vice President Pence. Um, He considered them, and as a constitutional matter, um, he rejected them. One of the last and the ultimate requests that that 
President Trump made was to pause the voting mm -hmm. for 10 days to allow the states to recertify or certify uh, or audit. And, and Mr. Pence rejected that as well. After that, there was a peaceful transition of power. So that's how the Constitutional works. Okay. What happened now, on January 6th was not peaceful. I want to ask you something about John Eastman, because I, I, you've talked a lot about well, how he's, the, the, a, he's the, a respected constitutional uh, uh, right. attorney. The transfer he of power also, was certainly peaceful. Did you see what happened on January 6th? Did that look peaceful And by the way, did, did you... I'm not saying that that was in any way... Um, inappropriate, but the ultimate power of the presidency okay. was transferred to Mr. I just want to Mr. quickly Biden. ask about John that, Eastman. John Eastman uh, said, according to this indictment, that he actually, even when he was talking to the vice president's counsel, that he thought that his plan to reject the slate of electors would be rejected by the Supreme Court. Nine to zero. He thought he was right. And by the way, that that um, proposal was not the ultimate one presented to Vice President Pence. But what happens in the course of a constitutional discussion like this is all legal theories are discussed mm -hmm. and analyzed. And once again, what President Trump was doing is within the reality and the realm of free speech. He's asking his vice president, what about taking this okay. course of action? Ultimately, his vice president rejected all of all one of the proposals that were made. One quick question before I let you but go about critical, the trial. Me, but you have to let me finish. No, no, no. One, one, one quick, one quick response. What what President Trump did not do is direct Vice President Pence to do anything. He asked him in an aspirational way. Asking is covered by the First Amendment. And and said some pretty intense stuff uh, online that caused people to think that they needed to. Uh, uh, build gallows outside of the Capitol. But we can talk about that in a, another time. Um, would you be open to having cameras in the courtroom? And he's not being charged for that, I, by the way. And yep. by the way, that's, not, right. that's right. not part of the criminal you're case. Right. So right. just to be clear. It okay? is your right about so that. So you can say that would politically, you, but it's not in the case. Would you be open to having cameras in the courtroom during this trial? I personally want the public to see what's going on in this country right now. I want the public to see what kind of prosecution is going so, on. So, yes. And I want the public to see the evidence. If you ask me what my personal opinion is, the answer is absolutely, I'd like to see that. What, what I'm concerned about is the government has already signaled that they don't want the press and the American people to see the evidence in this case because they filed a, an emergency okay. protective order to prevent that from happening. Thank you so much, uh, John Laurel. Appreciate your time this morning. Great to see you. Absolutely. He is a central figure in the new Trump indictment. I'll ask former Vice President Mike Pence about the case against his former boss and now opponent for the GOP nomination. Plus, the gift Chris Christie brought all the way to Ukraine for President Zelensky. Chris Christie is just back and joins us exclusively coming up. Welcome back to State of the Union. As Donald Trump lashes out on the campaign trail over his third indictment, none of his competitors are as well-versed in the substance of the allegations as his vice president, setting up a clash between the former running mates. Joining me now is former vice president and GOP presidential candidate Mike Pence. Thank you so much for joining me, sir. 
Just a few days ago, the former president had this to say about you. He said, quote, I feel badly for Mike Pence, who is attracting no crowds, enthusiasm or loyalty from people who, as a member of the Trump administration, should be loving him. The VP had power that Mike didn't understand. So you hear there he is still claiming to this day that you had the power to reject electoral votes. And his lawyers are suggesting reasonable people can disagree on whether you had that authority. Well, Dana, President Trump was wrong then and he's wrong now. I had no right to overturn the election. Very clear that under the Constitution of the United States, Article 2, my responsibility as vice president, as president of the Senate, was to preside over a joint session of Congress where the Constitution says the electoral votes shall be opened and shall be counted. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I really do believe that, that people all across this country are, are coming to realize that more every day. Although, as I've told you before, Dana, I, over the last two years, I've been deeply humbled how many Americans have come up to me and expressed their appreciation. I mean, I truly do believe that uh, we kept our oath to the Constitution that day. But the American people deserve to know that President Trump you know, asked me to put him over my oath to the Constitution, but I kept my oath and I always will. And I'm running for president in part because I think anyone who puts themselves over the Constitution should never be president of the United States. I mean, our Constitution is more important than any one man. Our, our country's more important than any one man's career. Uh, and I'm, I'm running for office because when people look at my record, I hope uh, they understand that we've kept faith, not just with the Constitution, but with the broad conservative agenda it's always carried our party to victory and, frankly, always carried America to unbounded security and prosperity. I'm sure you've heard the former president's lawyers saying that he, quote, ultimately asked only that you pause in counting the electoral ballots. I just want to be clear. Did the former president ask you to pause or did he at any point ask you to overturn the election and keep him as president? Well, you can you can look at the tweets and public statements the president made all the way up uh, uh, to the night before in the morning of look what uh, what the president uh, was convinced it seemed to me in December was that I had some right to reject or return electoral votes even though no pre- vice president in American history had ever asserted that right and and no vice president or any one person should ever have the right to choose the American president. The presidency belongs to the American people and the American people alone. Uh, but look, in the, in the days before, the president was talking about us rejecting votes. Uh, then late in the process, uh, his lawyer suggested that we return votes to the states. Uh, but frankly, the day before January 6th, if memory serves, they, they came back, his lawyers did, and said, we want you to reject votes outright. This, this, they were asking me to overturn the election. I had no right to overturn the election. Uh, I know we did our duty that day, and uh, I couldn't be more encouraged, whether it's here in New Hampshire, in Iowa, or all across the country, uh, how many people come up to me and express their appreciation for the stand that we took. You know, I, I hear you talking about this, and um, I know you've also said that you wish that there were no criminal charges that had to be filed, as what happened uh, this past week. But Do you ever wonder what would have happened if you had come forward with the specifics that you were just talking about just now, the pressure campaign that you got from the then president, from his 
uh, attorneys and, and, and talked about that in the days after January 6th, because now he's really solidified his grip on your party and helped lead the party's view uh, of his unconstitutional actions. A vast majority of Republican voters think he actually won in 2020. Do you wish you said what you're saying today sooner? Well, I, I don't know, Dan. I've been saying this for two years. You know, I, after leaving the White House, moving home to Indiana, I think it was on the 100th day of the Biden administration that I spoke about this issue at an event right here in New Hampshire. And as you know, I've given countless interviews. I wrote an entire book telling our story now more than a year ago. But look, it, I, you know, I, I, I understand uh, that uh, you know, the news events of this week have caused renewed focus on this issue. And in, in some respects, uh, I welcome it. Uh, not because I welcome the indictment. I had hoped it hadn't come to this. I had hoped the questions about the president's conduct on January 6th had been left to the judgment of Republican primary voters and the American people. But now that this has come, I've had, I've had people coming up to me uh, ever since that day and, and uh, in some respects telling me that they didn't know. They didn't know what we went through. They didn't know about the stand uh, that we took. Exactly. And, uh, and, and I, I'm so very humbled think, by so that. So do you but think I, if, if you would have said so publicly, you would have, for example, been able to influence uh, your fellow Republicans in the Senate? If, if he was convicted in the impeachment trial, he wouldn't even be able to run for president. Well, I mean, come on. Oh, come on. Come on, Dan. I mean, we lived through uh, the, you know, the, the Russia hoax, uh, the president being impeached for a phone call. The day after January 6th, Nancy Pelosi tried to distort the 25th mm-hmm. Amendment uh, to get us to, to remove the president and then to, to go through a process of impeaching the president of the United States after he left office uh, was so just, you know, one more effort by the Democrats. But look, I, I, wa- I want to tell you, I, mm-hmm. I, I trust myself to the judgment of the American people and to the judgment of history. I, I really do believe people see through uh, the agenda of the Democrats, that partisan committee on Capitol Hill that, that I refuse to have anything to do with, uh, spoke for itself. But uh, at, at the end of the day, you know, my one aspiration as I travel here in New Hampshire and everywhere around the country, is, is for people to know that the oath that I took in January 2017, I kept every single day. Uh, the indictment says that the former president told uh, you that you're too honest after you said you didn't have the authority to reject electors. Did Donald Trump ever acknowledge to you that he lost the election? I, I don't recall that he ever did. Uh, but, uh, you know, with regard to being called too honest, Dan, I've been called worse. Uh, and frankly, today with people here in New Hampshire, I had a lot of people coming up to me expressing their appreciation for it. And I, I want people to know I'm going to be honest with them as a candidate and I'll be honest with them as president, whether we're talking about the need for fiscal responsibility and reform to tackle the national debt. I'm going to be honest with them about the dangerous world we live in. I'm going to be honest with them about what it's going to take to secure our border and lower energy costs, and also stand by our values and liberties. Would so, you be willing uh, to testify? I, I'm, more than happy to, I'm more than happy to wear that label. But honestly, to, to your, I, I don't recall the president ever telling me that. I, mm-hmm. I, 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 and I don't know what was in his heart. I don't know what his intentions were. Uh, but I do know what he and his lawyers asked me to do. Uh, and it's what uh, no vice president in American history had ever done before, and frankly, no vice president or any one person in Washington should ever do again. The presidency belongs to the American people. 
and the American people alone. Our founders would have never vested authority in one person to overturn an election. And I stood on that principle. Would you be willing to testify at the president's trial if the special counsel called you to do so? Well, you know, I testified before the grand jury under a subpoena after we got clarification from the court about protections uh, that I have under the Constitution as the president uh, of the Senate. But I, I have no plans to testify. But uh, look, we'll, we'll always we'll always comply with the law. But look, I, I, I want to tell you, I, uh, I, I, I don't know what the path of this indictment will be. The president's entitled to a presumption of innocence. He's entitled to make his defense in court. There actually are profound issues around this uh, pertaining to the First Amendment, freedom of speech, and the rest. Uh, I'm confident he and his lawyers will litigate all of those things. But I, what I want the American people to know is that President Trump was wrong then and he's wrong now. That I had no right to overturn the election. I had no right to reject or return votes. And that by God's grace, I did my duty under the Constitution of the United States, and I always will. You have said before, you said again just a few minutes ago, that anyone who puts himself over the Constitution should never be president. If he is the nominee, could you support him? Well, well Dana, you, you, know, you guys like to talk about the polls on CNN a lot. Everybody does. But look, it's awful early here. I mean, we're still about six months away from, uh, from Iowa and then right after that, New Hampshire. And I, I got to tell you, I, I really do believe that there's a, there's a lot of Republicans that know we not only need new leadership in the White House, but we need new leadership in the Republican Party. I mean, we can't endure four more years of the failed and feckless leadership of President Joe Biden and the Democrats in the Senate. We, we've got to turn this thing around. And everywhere I go, more and more people are coming up. More, more people are understanding, I think, the stand that we took that day. So, uh, and even the minority of Republicans that have had a different view of what I did that day have been coming up to me and so expressing does that mean you can rule appreciation out? for which I'm humbled. But I got to tell you, everywhere I go, people are telling me, thank you for talking about the issues we're dealing with uh, and not what the media is talking about any given day of the week. You, you can say right here that you will rule out voting for... Donald Trump again for president? <laughs> Dan, I will tell you, I, I, I don't think we'll have to make that decision. Uh, I'm, what if you I'm do? confident I'll be able to support the Republican nominee, especially if it's me. But I will, tell you, <laughs> I will tell you, I'm confident, as they've done so many times before, Republican primary voters uh, are going to choose new leadership for a new time in the life of our nation. I do we wanna... simply have got to move our country forward. We've got to put Joe Biden into retirement. We've got to win back the Senate, uh, keep the House, and get this country turned around. And I'm confident Republican primary voters will give us a nominee who will do just that. Sir, I know that you are unveiling a new energy policy this coming week. The European Union says oh. July has been the hottest month in recorded history. Tens of millions of Americans are constantly under heat warnings. You've seen the wildfires making the air unsafe to breathe. All of this is expected to even get worse in the coming years due to the climate crisis. Do you think that human activity is the primary reason behind all of this? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's clear from scientists that over the next hundred years that the climate is changing. But frankly, you know, you talk about our European partners. We, we, got, we got out of the Paris Climate Accord and nobody really noticed. We actually exceeded the goals in the Paris Climate Accord in reducing CO2, but we did it through American innovation. We did it through unleashing American energy. 
And the energy plan we'll unveil this week is going to be an all-of-the-above energy strategy. I mean, Joe Biden declared war on energy in his first day in office, shutting down the Keystone and Dakota pipelines. Gasoline prices are jumping back up again this week. You know, we had $2 a gallon gas under our administration, and we achieved energy independence. We can do it again. And in my campaign going forward, whatever the news of the day is, Dan, it's just like last week when we unveiled our inflation plan. This coming week, we're going to lay out a plan to restore American energy independence. And I believe through innovation, through diversification in energy, uh, we, we can practice conservation on our land. We had the cleanest air, water, and land in the history of the country during our administration. We, we can meet the goals in our environment without crippling the American economy. Yeah, and I'm sure you remember the a very first sentence in the 2018 report from your uh, Trump-Pence administration said that the Earth's climate is now changing faster at any point in history. And it went on to say it was primarily because of or the result of human activities. I look forward to seeing your uh, report this week. We're going to see you on the debate stage. It sounds like you're getting closer to getting those 40,000 unique donors. Dana, we're getting closer every day. People are going to MikePence2024.com, even con- contributing a dollar just to make sure that uh, the most experienced and the most proven conservative in this race is on the stage. I'm confident we're going to be there, and I'm looking forward to it. Former Vice President Mike Pence, thank you so much for joining me. Appreciate it. Thank you, Dana. Chris Christie just got back from a surprise trip to Ukraine. We're going to talk to him about that and get his first comments on the new Trump indictment when he joins me exclusively next. Welcome back to State of the Union. While the political world was focused on Donald Trump's legal woes, one of his competitors was secretly on an overnight train in Kyiv, where he met with Ukrainian President Zelensky and visited cities decimated by Russia's war. Here with me now is former New Jersey governor and presidential candidate Chris Christie. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. I want to get to your trip to Ukraine in a minute. But first, you just heard the former president's lawyer criticized the DOJ over this indictment about his efforts to overturn the 2020 election. He says all Trump did was exercise his free speech and follow the advice from his own lawyers. What's your response to that? Look, uh, obviously a federal grand jury in the District of Columbia disagrees and they returned an indictment. And now, you know, what we see from Donald Trump is what we always see from Donald Trump. Um, insulting anybody who uh, raises any questions about his conduct on January 6th when he invited people to come to Washington and told them it was going to be wild, then uh, spoken before them, told them the election had been stolen, which was a lie that he had continued from election night forward. Uh, Then he told them that Mike Pence could overturn the election, only Mike Pence could do it, uh, and that uh, if he didn't do it, he would be a major disappointment. Asked them then to march up to Capitol Hill uh, to stop what was going on up there. Said he would march with them. But as I've told you, Dana, I knew that if Donald Trump had a risk of breaking a fingernail, he's such a coward that he wouldn't go up to Capitol Hill. So he went back to the safety of the White House and sent those folks up there uh, to do what they did, which was to create uh, many of them uh, a violent conduct up on Capitol so Hill you don't think to it's try speech. to stop you what was going conduct? on in terms of confirming the election. Well, it's very clearly conduct. Now, you know, there may be parts of it that were speech too, Dan, and nothing's ever absolute. Um, But the fact of the matter is the president wanted what happened to happen. And in fact, 
the, the way to know that is that when it started to happen, he did not run out of the White House and say, put me in front of the cameras. Let me tell those people, stop being violent up there. We shouldn't do it. No, he didn't do that. He sat, ate his overdone hamburger um, in, the, in the White House dining room he has off the Oval Office and enjoyed watching what was going on. In fact, we know he told Speaker McCarthy that maybe it's those people care more about the fact the election was stolen than you do. I mean, does that sound like somebody who, you know, was concerned about anything other than keeping himself in power? Look. The, 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 the bigger lie now is that Donald Trump says he's doing this for us. Yet, if you listen to everything he's had to say, is he talking about what Joe Biden's inflation has done to the American people? Is he talking about what the energy crisis that Joe Biden created has done to the price of gasoline um, and to what's going on all across this world uh, in terms of the fight for energy? Mm -hmm. Um, Is he talking about the crime in the streets, Dana, and how that's affecting citizens of every one of our major cities? No. He's just talking about himself. So I want Republican voters to know this is a preview of the election coming up if Donald Trump's the nominee. He'll be talking about Donald Trump rather than Joe Biden. And what we should be focused on is talking about Joe Biden and his record. And that's why he cannot be the nominee. I want to move on to Ukraine. But real quick, do you think that in Washington, D.C., a place that Joe Biden won by almost 90 percentage points in 2020, Donald Trump can get a fair trial? Dana, unlike anybody else in this race, I actually did this um, for seven years as the U.S. attorney in the fifth largest office in the country in New Jersey, which is a very blue Mm -hmm. state. Um, And I could tell you, I watched as jurors put aside any of their partisanship or politics and listened to the evidence and returned in my state fair and just verdicts, 130 of them in political corruption cases that we did without a defeat and never was one of them overturned on appeal. Uh, during my seven so, years. Yes. And so, uh, you know, my view is, uh, yeah, I believe jurors can be fair. I believe in the American people. And I believe in the fact that jurors will f- listen fairly and impartially. Okay. And for people who say they won't, Dana, those are people who believe only in themselves, like Donald Trump and not the American Let, people. Let's talk about your trip to Ukraine. You are the second Republican candidate to visit. You met with President Zelensky in Kiev. You paid your respects to civilians killed in Bucha. And you said you would come back and tell everyone what you saw. What do you want the American people and people around the world to know? I want them to know about the atrocities that were being were being and are being committed uh, against the free Ukrainian people by the Russian military. I went to the town of Bucha, um, where um, I went to a shallow grave of 160 civilians who were executed by the Russian army. But before they were executed, Dana, for many of them, their eyes were gouged out, their ears were cut off. Then their hands were tied behind their back and they were shot in the back of the head by Russian soldiers, civilians, not soldiers, civilians. And then Russian soldiers went in and raped the mothers and the daughters that were in the house after the men of the house had been killed. Um, I went to the Children's Center for Civil Rights in Ukraine And there they told us that over 19,000 children Mm -hmm. have been abducted, kidnapped by the Russian military and brought back to Russia so they can be programmed to work for the Russian Federation. Dana, I met some of those mothers whose children were ripped away from them by Russian soldiers. They don't know how they are, where they are. Um, This is not a territorial dispute, Dana. This is an absolute authoritarian attempt by Vladimir Putin to overtake the free country of a neighbor. And it's 
obscene what's going on there. And America is right to supply. And I spoke with President Zelensky for an hour. He never once asked to have American troops, American men or women there. All he wants is the ability to fight the war on an even basis. Give you one quick example. In artillery, the Russians are outgunning them on a daily basis, nearly 11 to 1 in artillery. Um, the, the Ukrainian army is incredibly brave. They're fighting for a unified free Europe that we've maintained for 80 years since the end of World War II. Uh, And I'm proud to have been there with President Zelensky and to stand with the Ukrainian people who are being abused and killed uh, by Russian mercenaries. You also brought uh, the Ukrainian president something that maybe could give him hope or at least a, a chuckle. Your old friend John Bon Jovi shared a video of a band in Ukraine playing It's My Life as people in Odessa filled sandbags to defend their city. You called Bon Jovi before you went. And quickly, what happened next? Uh, John wrote out the lyrics uh, to the song It's My Life, which serves as an inspiration for a lot of the citizens in, in Odessa as they were preparing for the invasion by the Russians. He wrote it out in his own hand, got it framed, Um, And I brought it to President Zelensky, presented to him and said that this is representative of many of the American people and what they feel about the cause that's being fought for in Ukraine and who support Ukrainian people against Russian barbarism. And uh, we got a good laugh over it about two guys from New Jersey um, trying to be supportive um, of what's happening over uh, in Ukraine for the Ukrainian people. And so um, I I was happy to do that uh, and to be able to show him that uh, there's lots of folks over here. In fact, hundreds of millions of Americans who believe that the Ukrainian cause is just. And let's remember this, Dana. Donald Trump said that the person perpetrating these atrocities, torture, murder, and the kidnap of innocent children is brilliant and an excellent leader. That's the kind of thing that Donald Trump will bring back to the presidency, is that type of attitude towards somebody like Vladimir Putin. I think the American people need to really wonder uh, whether Vladimir Putin is the role model we want for leadership around the world. As a Jersey girl, I have a special appreciation for uh, the New Jersey, former New Jersey governor bringing John Bon Jovi's lyrics over to Ukraine. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Appreciate it. Dana, thanks for having me on. I hope everybody has a great Sunday. And Republican candidates are starting to band together against one particular Democrat. And I'm not talking about President Biden. We're going to get into that with my panel next. have this situation biden may not even be the candidate i mean you know let's just be clear you could have kamala you could have newsom you could have some other people you know that will end up doing it we can't afford a president kamala harris i will say that over and over amen republican candidates you just heard they're focusing on the vice president on the trail my panel joins me now nice to see you all uh we know the reason the main reason that they are doing that is because they're trying to make the point that uh, your former boss, who you worked for for a long time, Kate Benningfield, welcome, Thank you. Is, is old and that she's likely to be the president. Well, look, I mean, President Biden has been clear that he thinks age is a reasonable thing for people to ask about. He says all the time, people can watch me, they can look at his record, they can see him, they can address the age issue. Where I think the Republicans are making a huge mistake here and the way that the Biden campaign thinks about this is what they're doing is they're putting the vice president front and center in the core arguments that are critical 
to the campaign. This is the soul of the nation argument. This is, you see, you know, Ron DeSantis coming at Kamala Harris on uh, this issue around slavery and comments that he made that slavery had beneficial impacts for people of color, for black people. That is a fight that is, goes to the core of who we are. That is how Joe Biden thinks about one of the key pieces of this, of this election that's forthcoming. And so putting the vice president at the center of that, where she can make a really passionate, forceful argument, that is a good thing for the Biden campaign and for the Biden White House. Do you agree? I understand why Republicans are doing it. Uh, the vice president has lagged uh, President Biden in terms of her polling and her favorability. And they do want to highlight the issue of age, which I think is a legitimate conversation to be had. What I would be doing if I was a Republican in the primary is also be talking about the fact that Donald Trump's 77 years old. He's no spring chicken. So if you want to really have a debate about if we want an octogenarian class running our country, I think we have to be kind of honest on both sides. I think we need to be honest about the origin of this. Look, yes, the president is old and Kamala Harris is, is the heir apparent, potentially, if he were to step aside. But look where this began. The vice president was given a, a very impressive portfolio to deal with the, the border crisis as well as election reform. She failed on both counts. She has not done her job as vice president. Her negative rating is at 49%. She's not a popular vice president. So instead of her talking about her failures, she's attacking Republicans. And that is what she's doing. And they're simply responding. So this is not as much Republicans going after her as she has appointed herself and Democrats have appointed her the attack dog and she's getting hit back. Well, I, well, I, I, I'll just say, I think that this is happening for a couple of reasons. Most people don't know what vice presidents do. And now she is a history maker. She is a woman. She is a black woman. And it's the easy thing to do to say she's the attack dog. Go after her. She was not put in charge of the border. She was put in charge of the root causes and going down to Central and South America to discuss what is happening. And she and numbers have shown the border. Everyone admits our immigration uh, policies are in crisis. It's not because of Kamala Harris. It's because we have not been able to find bipartisan reform. We all know the election, our voting systems are broke. We have a president who won't even, or a former president who won't even acknowledge that he lost the election. That's not because of Kamala Harris. But my final point will be, she is taking it outside of Washington, D.C. She is done with us, the pundits, and she's going to the people who will actually elect her. She's talking about the issues that women care about, abortion. She's talking about, I'm not going to debate Ron DeSantis on slavery. There is no debate there. And I appreciate it. And I think you will see her numbers start to increase and people will be accepting but her of the job. Where I think that the Biden administration risks losing swing voters is putting Vice President Harris front and center. Because when you make these core arguments about the future of democracy, Joe Biden is what is standing between us losing the country and having, let's say, Donald Trump. It, if, you're, if the next, the heir apparent for an 80-year-old president is someone who's deeply unpopular, who herself probably could not at this time win on her own as president, I think that that leaves people a little bit more afraid to, to actually support the ticket. And I think that's borne out in this New York Times-Siena poll that has Trump beating Biden head to head. But well, I just make I more sense. that, though, but if you, look at, if you look at the 2022 midterms and you look at there was a lot of run up to 2022, there was anxiety amongst the pundit class, amongst the reporters, you know, that, uh, that Biden and Harris weren't focusing enough on the economy. It was a mistake to talk about democracy. And then across the course of, of the, uh, you know, across the course of the election, that was not borne out to be true, in fact. And, and since uh, the 2020 election, Democrats have won statewide in all seven states that put Biden over the top in 2020. So in real time, as we've seen people go to the polls post a Biden election. So I think Putting Kamala Harris front and center, letting her make this dynamic argument is smart. It's maximizing 
their appeal to different voters. And we know that independent voters and the very small slice of people who are left in this country who are truly uh, undecided and independent, they're put off by the really divisive Republican culture war. Wouldn't it make more sense, though, for the people in the Republican Party to actually go after the people they're trying to beat right now, which are other Republicans? What you know what? On that, we agree. I mean, what benefit does it do to go after Kamala Harris? Well, it, it is feeding red meat to their base mm. to say, like, we don't want this other person to be running our country. We don't want a woman. It's no surprise we've never had a woman be president of our country yet. It is a leap. And so it's cheap. It's easy and it's calculated. And I don't think it will work in the long well, run. Here's the thing. Republicans are out there in Iowa, New Hampshire and South Carolina talking about the issues that are, people are concerned with and not obsessed with what the vice president wants to talk about for the day. They're out there talking about the, the Biden-Harris policies that are not working for the American people. As much as the president and vice president want to say Bidenomics is working great, the American people do not feel that. 66% of Democrat voters say they are worse off economically. And we see prices on the rise, gas prices on the rise, interest rates high. People are having trouble getting homes and cars that's where American people but, are feeling it, and that's what Republicans are talking about. They're out well, of the trail, except, and not necessarily okay, except in the headlines. Donald Trump, not so much. He's yeah, talking a lot much. about himself. So on that note, uh, I want to talk about a bit of reporting from the Washington Post about a meeting between Joe Biden and Barack Obama in the White House recently in the summer. It says, former President Barack Obama had a private lunch with President Biden earlier this summer, voiced concern about Donald Trump's political strengths, including an intensely... Loyal following, a Trump-friendly conservative media ecosystem, and a polarized country, underlying his worry that Trump could be even more formidable candidate than many Democrats realize. You probably agree with that as somebody who... Very much so. I think we, nobody in this country should take for granted that Donald Trump very well could be president again. Um, and I think that Joe Biden should be running with the assumption that he's running against Donald Trump. But we're also still in a Republican nominating process. And I am stunned by how few candidates in the race, who themselves have their own records to run on, are not taking it directly to Donald Trump. You don't earn the right to run against Joe Biden until you beat Donald Trump or whoever else in a primary. So I would say, whether it's my you know, old boss, Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, the clock is running out. The time to defeat Donald Trump is in a Republican And if that primary. doesn't happen, is your former boss, uh, Joe Biden, taking Trump seriously enough? It looks like his oh, old boss says no. No. Oh, no, que no question. And I can tell you, as somebody who worked for Joe Biden for a long time, who left this White House in March... He absolutely takes the threat of Donald Trump seriously. He believes he's nothing less than an existential threat to the country. He actually got into the race in 2019, making an argument about the specific threat that he believed that Donald Trump posed to the soul of the nation and was told at the time that that wasn't where the country was, that wasn't where the Democratic electorate was. So I would argue nobody has taken Donald Trump more seriously. And also, let's not forget, nobody else has beaten Donald Trump nationwide. We're going to have to leave it there. Thanks for a great discussion. Good to see you all. Thank you for spending your Sunday morning with us. Fareed Zakaria is next. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. 
Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.